You're listening to another episode of Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where, and this is true, we've talked about a lot of Marvel movies. Today, we're going to talk about the epic conclusion to the Guardians of the Galaxy trilogy. This is actually the first time we've talked about the Guardians of the Galaxy on the show, or at least like in the context of a full movie. Like James Gunn keeps coming up, Guardians of the Galaxy I'm sure have come up a few times. Anyhow, that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, especially because this is a Marvel movie. Uh, I do want to warn you guys right away, there are spoilers in this, but we were good this time. We have a spoiler warning before we get to the biggest ones. So we're going to try and stay spoiler-free until uh, this timestamp that you're about to hear right here. 44 minutes and 19 seconds. And at that point, we go full spoilers. So uh, hopefully you have seen this movie. I think it's um, I think it's uh, one that you'll really enjoy our conversation about. I really enjoyed our conversation about it, and um, yeah, it's, it's a good one. You'll uh, let's, but you know, let's let's not beat around the bush anymore. Let's get into the Guardians of the Galaxy, James Gunn, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and all that stuff. But first. This is my favorite part of these episodes, is uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, iconic for its soundtrack. And Guardians of the Galaxy 3, also a great soundtrack. In fact, it even includes a song that I honestly didn't think I would hear in a movie um, back when I first heard it when I was uh, much younger. Uh, something very cool from Richie Blackmore's old band, Rainbow. This is Since You've Been Gone. movies live the pre-recorded show where we talk about marvel movies although actually what was the last no we talked about ant-man so it wasn't that long ago that we talked about a marvel movie i thought it was thor love and thunder for a second we've actually talked about like most of the marvel movies that have come out since i guess captain marvel yeah yeah that was the first one yeah i think so i think about it and like i feel like we've missed some but not many. Maybe like one or two. We did Captain Marvel, Endgame. I don't know. There's a lot. There's like there's a couple in like one of the summers we might we stopped, I think, that we might have missed, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, that would make sense. Like maybe I don't think we did No Way Home. Or no, Far From Home. We didn't do Far uh, From Home. We did No Way yeah. Home though. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, here we are with 
Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which I guess the only time we've ever talked about the Guardians was kind of in Thor. A little bit, yeah. Probably said they weren't in it very much. (laughs) I think that's all you could really say in that one. I think we've mentioned James Gunn before. Like, he comes up, but, like, that's about it. You know, he comes up, but it's not like we talk about him. talked about the Suicide Squad, I think. Oh, yeah, we did. Yes. Yeah. So, and, yeah, I think that's really the only thing he's done since that and the Peacemaker show, so. Did you ever Um, watch Peacemaker, by the way? I did. I (laughs) watched I watched uh, all eight episodes at once, and it, I think I watched it from like 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. with a couple of my friends. And I was in no <laughs> intention. I was not intending to watch it. I just kept watching. Oh, wow. There was well, a certain point where I was just like, we were just like, we can't really stop now because <laughs> we're like so far in. Yeah, you're in too deep. Yeah. yeah, I uh, I watched that one as it came out. And um, one of the people we're going to talk about in this episode uh whose name I'm hopefully going to pronounce right. I doubt I am going to pronounce it right. Uh, Chikudi yeah. Iwuji. Uh, he was in Peacemaker. Yeah, he was. I didn't know that. He's like the leader, right? Or He, he was basically kinda, the leader, yeah. Kind of like the office leader. Like he, he, He's not a field agent, but I think he like organizes them. And I think, yeah. was he evil? I can't remember. He, Does he become evil later? I can't remember. The villains of Peacemaker like are... I'm not going to say nuanced, but like not, I wouldn't say fully evil either. So like yeah, in yeah. that respect, maybe not, but he, and he is like a twist villain. Okay. Spoilers for Peacemaker. If you haven't seen it, I guess. Yeah. I honestly, I can't even remember. <laughs> but like after watching Peacemaker, I was so excited to see him again in anything. And he's in Guardians of the Galaxy 3, which I will just say, I was not disappointed by Chikudi Uji at all. I think he's a phenomenal actor, and I want to see more of him. So, uh, so yeah, that did, for the, the first little review I'm going to give. <laughs> yeah, he, he, did, he did really good. It's, it's cool to see James Gunn bring some people back. And sorry, I can't remember his name, but he, he did good in Peacemaker. And it's, it's cool to see he got, he got the chance to really show what he was made of. Even though I, I don't know if I would necessarily call it like a very memorable villain, if that makes sense. I, I don't want to say it like it, it didn't really truly like stick out to me. I don't think any of any of the Guardians villains have really jumped out at me as being like iconic, if that makes sense. All of them fulfill the role they're supposed to, I guess. Yeah, I, uh, I don't want to dwell on it too much because I do want to come back to him. But uh, I was talking to my buddy that I went to go see this movie with after the movie. I think that Marvel often has a problem of like, one movie villains that don't make much of an impact and i thought this was basically like this was one of very few marvel villains that really nailed the one movie villain like Mm -hmm. i don't ever want to see him again because there's no reason for him to come back but i think that he i personally thought he made a huge impact in this movie not just in terms of he was the villain but i like i found him a very memorable villain personally oh yeah i'll definitely remember him Unfortunately, mm-hmm. he's a very evil guy. You know, compare that to uh, my boy, Caecilius, who I always come back to because I love Mads Mikkelsen, but, like, I no one remembers Caecilius from Doctor Strange. Not no one remembers, yeah. but, like, he really didn't do much in that movie. He wasn't that important a thing, yeah, other than I, that he was the villain of the movie. I also... Uh... Agreed. That that was a very that was a very I think he had a very unfortunate year because I 
he was also in Rogue One, and I, I don't. I think his role in Rogue One was fine, but I, I think considering how good he can act, it was a little disappointing. His role in Rogue One was one of the. It was one of the smaller roles in Rogue One, and like he still did okay with it. It's just that he could do so much more if they would have given him more to do. Yeah, but yeah. He was basically a vehicle for Ven Mendelsohn to get like. <laughs> the performance of a lifetime. Yeah, no, yeah, actually, I don't know. What, what have you? What did you think of like the first, the first two Guardians movies? So a, I actually I haven't seen them in a while. Yeah, but I remember, I remember liking both of them. I remember being very, very hyped on Guardians two. Like when I came, I I loved Guardians two, but I remember it being like really controversial, at least among my friend group. Like my dad, who is not part of my friend group in the same way. He hated Guardians 2, which is curious because, like, he'll often really like movies or, like, not care for movies. It's very rare that he'll really love something or really oh, hate wow. something. Yeah. So Guardians 2, he got, like, a visceral reaction to. He hated that one. And then I remember, like, a bunch of my friends at the time didn't like it that much, but I loved it. And so it was one of those things where I'm looking at my friends and, like, trying to explain why I like it. And I'm like am I wrong here? Are you wrong here? I don't know what's going on. Is there, is there a right or a wrong answer? Yeah. Well, so guardians one is like, was just a very, very solid entry into the Marvel universe. I, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think like it's, it's just a very a solid movie. I think guardians two is James Gunn became more James Gunny and he added a lot of things that more things that didn't work. Or sorry, he he took what a lot of people liked in the first movie, and he, like the humor, I would say, and he and he maximized it in the second one in a, I think in some ways a poor way, but then he also I think amped up the emotional stakes in it, and I think those were those, that part was very very good. So I, I'd say it's more polarizing, but yeah, and it, it's tough to really say which one is better in my opinion. The big criticism that I the big specific criticism I remember from one of my friends about Guardians Two is in Guardians 1, Drax is a person who is just oblivious. He does not understand sarcasms or idioms or metaphors or anything like that. He's just very literal. And you get a lot of comedic gold out of that, but he's not trying to be funny. He's just very literal. In Guardians 2, in Guardians 2, Dave Bautista takes him from being like an oblivious badass who still gets some really funny moments to a much more comedic character, which Mm. on the one hand, I think ultimately ends up working. I think Dave Bautista is really comfortable in that role. I think that is a role that I personally really like. Like that's a way of playing that character that I like, but I understand that if you liked like, that's a jarring change between guardians one and guardians two. And like, it's not the same Drax as Guardians 1. So if you liked Guardians 1 Drax, Guardians 2 Drax might be a bit much. Yeah, there, there was a, definitely a couple. Like, I hate, I hated the poop jokes he would make. Mm-hmm. And then there was, I think there was just a lot of him laughing for no reason. And yeah. It, it wasn't, like, I think in the first one, he would laugh at things that obviously weren't funny, and it was kind of funny. In the second one, it was just, I feel like he was just laughing at random things he saw and he thought it was funny too. So I don't know. I, I, I yeah, but I, I'd say also the second one, I think, I think the storyline with 
Peter Quill's, I guess, two dads was really, really well done. Um, I actually think Kurt Russell was a great villain, much better than mm-hmm. Ronan was in the first movie. Yeah. Um, and uh, I love the addition of Mantis as well. Mm-hmm. Into Mantis, I guess, and Yondu too, kind of. Like they both, they were both given kind of roles in the Guardians of the Galaxy. And I think they both really added a lot of character to the team. And the dynamic yeah. was really fun. Yeah. So I don't know. But yeah, I, I think they're both equally good just in different ways, I'd say. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd really like to go back and revisit them. Because like I said, I haven't sure, seen yeah. them in a while. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and then we have... Well, I guess they were in Infinity War and Endgame too. Um, not yeah. much in Endgame, I guess. Like... I'd say Rocket and Nebula had decently big roles. Um, I don't remember Rocket's role in Endgame. I know he was there, but I don't remember him very much. He was what, what he was kind of he played off of Thor a lot, where he met Thor when he was depressed, and then they go to visit Thor's mom and stuff. Oh um, right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, and then and then, and then we then we kind of come here, and it's it's very different because it's been six six years since volume two and then we've really seen the team together if that makes sense i mean mm-hmm. infinity war kind of counts but it's obviously not they're together for like one scene and then they're all split up uh, for the rest of the movie i don't think it's essential to see this movie or not i don't think it's essential watching bef- like viewing before seeing this movie but mm-hmm. uh around christmas of last year there was a guardians of the galaxy christmas special which I'll, I'll admit I didn't love very much, but that sort of fills in the gap a little bit. And I think that uh, I thought that the very beginning of Guardians of the Galaxy 3 was quite jarring. And uh, I think that it was a little bit less so for me because I had seen the Christmas special, which mm. at least shows you like this movie starts with them having established basically a town and like mm-hmm. they're caring for this whole town and they all have their own routines and we don't know about them, but we like go through everything. It's, it's a lot to take in all at once. That town and them establishing it doesn't happen in the holiday special, but it does like, it has already happened by that point. So if you've yeah. seen the holiday special and then you go into this, it's like, okay, I'm just seeing another episode of the Guardians of the Galaxy where coming from two to three feels like you really miss something in between, I think. Yeah, well, I, I think, uh, I mean, I, okay, I also didn't really like the special that much, but I, th- I think it's it's it kind of makes sense in terms of, like, we've seen the, lo- the location is nowhere with that, and it came from yeah. the first movie. I think it, it feels refreshing, too, because we've seen, like, the Guardians be, like, these guys cruising around the galaxy fixing stuff for like a while now and it it was just a little refreshing i guess to see them switch it up a bit and yeah and i think it sets the tone of or it gives a lot of them a reason to move on if that makes sense like they were already kind of settling down slash you know figuring out their lives and what they want to do in the future Mm -hmm. Um, instead of doing the the thing they were doing before i guess which is answering distress calls and trying to help people where they can right so yeah but yeah uh why don't you tell us a bit about this movie so guardians of the galaxy 3 is um a lot happens in this movie i'm gonna see if i can like figure out the best way to summarize it because another thing this is actually really nice for the summary it's a very simple story at the very beginning uh the guardians get attacked in their 
I'm going to say new base of operations, but it's not really new. Like you said, nowhere is uh, is from the first movie. But they get attacked by Adam Warlock, who is a creation of the Sovereign, which were major villains in the second one, but not like the main villain of the second movie. They were, they kept coming back. They were like people made of gold. Anyway, they created Adam Warlock and they send Adam Warlock to kill the guardians or something like that. At least at the beginning, that's what it's saying. That's what it seems like. And uh, Adam Warlock is essentially invincible. So he runs in, does a bunch of damage and then is eventually driven off kind of, but um, all of the guardians are hurt in the process and specifically Rocket Raccoon, or sorry, Rocket, he, he gets mortally injured. And so they have like video game style med packs, which is awesome, except that for some reason, uh, Rocket cannot use those because his heart has a kill switch around it that will activate if he, I guess if they try to heal him with a med pack. So... They have to go and figure out Rocket's past and figure out, like, who made Rocket what he is today in order to deactivate the kill switch and save their friend. And as they do that, they encounter the villain that we're going to talk about, the High Evolutionary, who runs a galactic pharmaceutical firm. (laughs) Yeah, out of... What they have buildings made. Of. I I like the buildings made out of like organic matter. I oh, it that, was so gross. That stuff was I really it. gross, but really cool. Um, yeah, no, you, you explained it pretty well. Uh, what what did you think? What are your initial thoughts? So overall, I really loved it. I don't think it's perfect. I think the beginning was very fast paced in a way that like it all paid off in the end. But right at the beginning, I thought it was like. way too much all at once and I didn't think that the insane pace right at the beginning really helped it much at Mm. least in the moment but then as it went on as it went on and those payoffs started coming I thought it was very very good there's a lot of really good character moments all of the guardians get like big character moments at least and most of them have a, a good character arc there's even a good character arc in this for Gamora who's hardly in it after Endgame, mm-hmm. which uh, was pretty cool. And I, I mean, I think that's a hell of a feat to pull off considering how big this cast is, including promoting Craglin, who was in the first two, but was like a minor character, to as major a character you can be without without like stepping out of that minor character role, essentially. Like yeah, he's yeah. <laughs> he's like eighth build, but this is a movie with eight with seven main characters. So yeah. and also just adding Maria Bakalova in there, kind of out of nowhere, but also giving her like a big major role. I think it's really impressive how how much this movie sticks the landing, considering all the moving parts in it, because it's not perfect, but it's very, very good. And there's not a lot that I would like immediately and obviously change even if i have some issues with it yeah i'd say like i guess comparing it to the first two i I think it actually does fix a lot of issues i had with the second one but also i'd say i compare it more to the first one i think this is a a really really like solid film i think there's some 
there there are definitely things that I wish were done a little differently. Uh, but also akin with more of the second one, it really I think hits the emotional beats extremely well. Mm-hmm. A little too well for me. <laughs> I, I found it really tough to watch in theaters, and not many movies. I I I mean I I've cried on a few movies, but I I very rarely cry in the theater. And I think it was just like this and Endgame where I've like full on sobbed in the theater. So uh, it's uh it it does hit the emotional beats extremely well. I can say that. I think there's a couple things problems I would have is just that I wouldn't say they're problems it's just, it's just I think it's just there's just so many characters now and it's really tough to balance them all and I I wish you know some characters had you know a bit more of an arc or a bit more of a role like Rocket for example Rocket was separated from the Guardians in the second movie for most of it right because mm-hmm. he gets I think it's like he gets caught by Yondu and then they break out together yeah. so he has like an arc with Yondu but for the most part he's he's separated from the whole team for most of the movie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the same thing here where Rocket's put out a commission pretty early and he, he has a he has a really big role. I'd, I'd actually say he's like definitely the main character of this movie because we get a lot of uh, flashbacks to, um, you know, his past, right? But, you know, this isn't, that's not really him interacting with the characters. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's something I guess I just really missed from the first one is I love having the whole team together, if that makes sense. And that would have been nice to have yeah. You know, for the third movie more. Um, same thing with like Groot. I think Groot didn't really have anything to do. And it was kind of surprising because like I they kept Groot surprisingly fresh for a character with like three words to say, you know, because we mm-hmm. saw him as adult Groot in the first one and then he died. So then it, I think the baby Groot was basically his like reincarnation or, or yeah. his child essentially. And then we see teenage Groot in Infinity War. Um, this group doesn't really bring anything new, in my opinion. Like, I think it, his powers are cooler or more different, but in terms of like character or like character interactions, he's actually not even in the movie that much. Mm-hmm. He's put on the sidelines unless they need his abilities in the scene, essentially, which is yeah. kind of disappointing too, because um, you know he's a, he's a very lovable character and he's done something cool in each movie. But but I think in place of that, a lot of characters. I actually, I just want to say Drax too. I think Drax the Destroyer is unfortunately a very wasted character in all, in all movies except for the first one. Essentially, I like they gave him a bit of an arc here, very slightly, but I just feel like after the first Guardians, he's just been kind of hanging out, and he has no real purpose with them. You know, I suppose so. Like I think Drax and Mantis are have have very good chemistry at the very least. Like they're a good they do, team. Yeah. They're, the biggest problem with them is it feels like it's weird because it feels like they're the comic relief for this group, but also that they should be. Yeah. I don't know exactly how to put that. I think they're both like they have both have very tragic backgrounds. And I think they both are surprisingly like I'd, I'd say they're both extremely mature. You know, like mm-hmm. Drax is a character who, you know, he's obviously very traumatized by his past, but he doesn't, you know, the state his character's in right now, he's he very much tries to bring joy to everyone and he mm-hmm. he never like he's never like mean to anyone you know like in the first one but like obviously that's because i, I think he's he just loves himself he's a very mature emotionally person but the, the yeah. movie plays him very stupidly i did really like mantis and drax in this movie i think i get what you're saying when you say they're wasted because as well for me the payoff with mantis and drax really comes in hard at the at the in the third act but up until then, like, 
they're definitely fun to see. I want to see them the whole time, but like a lot of what they're doing up until the third act, like payoff for them is actively doing something stupid that maybe works out for the best, but Mm. like kind of makes everyone else's job a little bit harder in the moment. Yeah. I like that. There's a scene in in the second act where they're working together and then Drax, instead of trying to play it smartly, he just starts a fight because he thinks it'll be fun essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, And that doesn't really pay off in any way. Um, it's just, I, I think like the arc is basically like, oh, we find out he's not as stupid <laughs> as, yeah. as he was, as he's playing to be, I guess the whole time. But like, I, I just, I wish, like, I think the problem with them and then even like uh, other, like same thing with kind of with Peter Quill and maybe even Gamora is that none of them really want anything in this movie. Like, obviously they want to save Rocket, right? But that That's yeah. just a very immediate, like that, that was inserted into the story to make the plot happen right Mm -hmm. um but they don't want anything personally you know i think like peter is a little bit of a spoiler but peter there's hints that he wants you know he his grandpa's still alive and there's an element of closure of him wanting to go back i guess to visit his grandpa but i don't think that was even ever built up as something he wanted like he wanted to get back with gamora but that was obviously never like something the movie was intending to go through mm-hmm. so like that that would say as much I, I think that's just like a common like in third movies it's really tough to have the characters all still be motivated for something because if you don't know you're gonna have a third movie like i, I don't think they were planning on definitely having three movies for the guardians this whole time then ideally like a, a lot of the the things the characters want are kind of past, like their arcs are kind of done for the most part, except for Rocket, which is why Rocket, you know, this movie is very, very centered around what Rocket wants and what Rocket, like Rocket's past, which we've never delved into. So, so obviously he has a very, very strong arc in this and Mm -hmm. it's by far his movie. And I, I, I like all the emotional beats work because of Rocket too. And I would also say, I guess we haven't mentioned her yet, but I would say that like right after Rocket, like the second main character of this movie is probably Nebula, I would say. Oh, yeah. Because like, I mean, she has, first off, she's in almost every scene. She has so much to do in this movie. But um, what I really appreciated is like, I think she was in the first one, right? Like she appeared in the first Guardians movie. She wasn't new in Guardians 2, right? No, yeah. She uh, okay. She, she was like more of a side villain in the yeah. first one. Yeah. But what I really appreciated is in Guardians 2, and then this one as well, they focus a lot on the Nebula-Gamora relationship. Like, most of that was dealt with in Guardians 2, but very much so from Gamora's side. Uh, this movie dealt with it more from Nebula's side, but also as someone who's already gone through that entire, like, process of reconciling with their sisters so like Mm -hmm. it felt on the it it could have felt just completely rehashed but nebula was like already moved on from it and gamora wasn't which was kind of an interesting like it was an interesting way to reset that relationship because it didn't just reset it and then rehash it it was like it was reset but one person just has no investment in doing that whole reconciling thing that had already been done for them 
but it didn't mean that that person that like Nebula was completely disengaged from that. I think it made Nebula much more, it took Nebula from being in guardians of the galaxy Two, the more immature of the two sisters to being the more mature one who has to like, like try to help Gamora into this new world that she's in now all of a sudden. Cause this Gamora in this movie is a uh, Gamora who uh, just missed five years because she's from the past. Yeah, I, I think Gamora was, I mean, sorry, Nebula, because it's hard to imagine that, like, Nebula actually wasn't really on the Guardians team until this movie. Like, yeah, she mostly in the the first one, she was a villain. She didn't really interact with anyone other than Gamora. Um, in the second one, she mostly also just interacted with Gamora. And then in this, you know, in Infinity War and Endgame, she had some time with Rocket, but we don't see that much. And then in this one, you know, she's, they don't really, like, show her grow into the team she's fully a part of the team and i actually mm -hmm. i really liked her dynamic with everyone else she mm -hmm. was I, I actually think like she might have been my at least my favorite human or human played character in the movie because she was like really funny but she was also very like capable and you could tell that she i guess cared a lot there's a there's a lot of like for undershadowing of like she cares a lot about everyone on the team but she doesn't want to show it. I thought it was cute when when she finds out Rocket's doing better. like Because she and Rocket were basically alone for five years, right? So she has mm -hmm. a very personal connection with Rocket at this point. And she was like extremely invested in you know Rocket doing better. So I really like that. And I, I, I also, like, I guess she also didn't have too much of an arc in this either. But I actually thought she just, she just made a very good part of the team. And she had like a, a real purpose to be on that team as well so i don't think she really needed like we uh, i think nebula has had an arc an insane arc throughout like five movies so i don't think we needed too much more if that makes sense it was just nice to see her interact with the team yeah she she like really got to be the glue that holds everyone together in this movie mm -hmm. yeah especially because you know peter is a little bit out of commission because he's you know mourning gamora so which that which is i guess sort of part of his arc too Mm -hmm. but yeah so that's the guardians <laughs> that, that is the guardians yeah i i did you want to talk about the villain i know a little more like i mean eventually i think you were about to say something i don't want to cut you off completely if oh well there's there's a couple things like i i think part of it is just because it it does feel you know so much time has passed since guardians one and two feels a little disconnected with things like uh like, I, I don't think the soundtrack really hit for me this time, like the other ones. Like, I remember the first, maybe it's because I'm older, but like, I remember the, the first two, like the songs all like, like I can, I can still like imagine when they played in each movie and like the, the scene that went along with it, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm sure that James Gunn put a lot of thought into the needle drops that he did in this movie, mm. but I don't know. I hear people say needle drops and not mean it as a bad thing most of the time. But mm. to me, like using it as a bad thing in this movie, a lot of them felt like needle drops and not like they belonged in the scene. Not exclusively. Like there's still, you can definitely still tell that James Gunn puts thought into that stuff. Mm. But like in the first two, it was like the soundtrack was basically perfect for those for yeah. for the scenes that it came up in in this one it felt like there were a couple of songs that like 
I'm not going to say came out of nowhere, but they like the scene was choreographed to the song because that's the song you wanted to play. Not because that was the song that fit with the scene. Yeah, exactly. Like I can't, I only actually, I only really remember the beastie boys one. Um, because that yeah. was at a pretty climatic moment. Actually, I like that song too. Maybe it's because I like the song, but the, oh, and the Florence, I don't know what the song's called, but the Florence and the Machine ones and the, at the end was kind of good too. Dog days are over, I think. Dog days are over, yeah. But yeah, other than that, I can't remember any of them except for Come and Get Your Love because that was so prominent in the very first movie. And mm-hmm. like, I guess I would say almost iconic just because it like introduced the whole thing, so. Um, yeah, there was that. And then also, like, I think the cinematography wasn't there. There was no shots. I remember being because I, I think I remember volume two was absolutely beautiful to look at. Mm-hmm. Uh, it had a very nice like color palette and like a lot of the shots were just like amazing. This one, I can't really remember anything that looks that good, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, and the music, too, I think the the sound not just the soundtrack, but the score itself. I noticed they switched composers for this. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't Tyler Bates, so... Yeah, I know, yeah. Tyler Bates is really <laughs> good, but I loved. I also loved his Guardians theme. Um, I don't know if too many people remember it, but I really, lo- I really loved it. And I think you kind of hear it once vaguely in this movie, but, you know, I, I feel like when composers switch, they, they really... I just noticed it's they really hate to use someone else's, like, themes uh in their own score i think oh i can't remember what movie it was but there was some movie that like switched over to danny elfman and i don't remember again i don't remember what movie it was but like halfway through the franchise they switched to danny elfman and that character's theme had been iconic throughout the franchise and it just didn't get used anymore once danny elfman was there it might have been justice league actually like there had been like some iconic there had been like some iconic Hans Zimmer stuff from Man of Steel and Batman v Superman, and then they switched to Danny Elfman for John for Justice League, and uh, they didn't use that, but they did use the old Danny Elfman Batman theme. Yeah, I, I could be standing Danny Elfman here, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure that happened. Because like the scores was one of the only good things about Man of Steel and Batman v Superman, and then they took yeah. that away, or at least I, I think Justice League was probably fine. It's just Danny Elfman was not going to use like the same. I guess superhero themes was the first. And like, to be fair, if you're making a superhero movie and your composer is Hans Zimmer and the sequel, the sequel to that superhero movie, if you're not going to use Hans Zimmer, you probably shouldn't use Danny Elfman. They are very different. Yeah. That's a, it's a tough one to get away with. I think. Yeah. (laughs) Jeez. Yeah. So do you, do you want to get into the villain a bit? Let's talk about villains. A lot of people are saying this was, I was reading that this was basically if, Kang the Conqueror was done well uh, <laughs> because he also had it was it is kind of odd out they're both you know like purple wearing uh, black super villains with tele telepathic or telekinesis I guess essentially yeah. um, who are both extremely evil and mm-hmm. you know kill a lot of people and they also had very similar like command centers I think too I remember noticing that as well yeah, I would say, like, actually, there was a while where I was like, is this guy, is this guy time traveling? Like, I didn't think he was, <laughs> but there were definitely a few scenes where I'm like, is he, what time is he from? So yeah, I, well, I did, maybe... I did wonder about that a bit. 
the I honestly like maybe they'll maybe they'll try to save save the Kang situation by tying this guy into into a being a Kang a Kang variant so that they can use him again in the future. Who knows? I mean, the the thing is, there's got to be some kind of si- fix for the Kang situation, and if the if the fix for that is recasting Jonathan Majors with Chukwudi Uji, I you know what. I love this actor, so yes, I would be down if that <laughs> is if that off. were the thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What did you think of the high evolutionary? I, I think he was really good. I think, like, I, I think, yeah, he was acted well. I said earlier that I, I don't think he had like, you know, any really iconic scenes, if that makes sense. That I, I feel like a villain needs. Like, he didn't really interact with the guardians enough. Um, there's there's one scene where. Uh, Peter Quill and Groot are, I guess, in his office or his his throne room. I guess you could call it too. Yeah. Um, and they kind of interact, but they don't really. Uh, and then same thing. You think you know? I I think the big the big con- confrontation would be him and Rocket running into each other. And it is a very it is a very good scene, but it's also very short. And it's I don't feel like there's too much momentum built into it. You know. Mm-hmm. And in the end, he's kind of defeated in a pretty straightforward way. You know, like the, he just kind of gets punched by all of them at once. And then he's out of commission, essentially. There's not really like a cool choreographed fight with all the Guardians versus him, which would have been nice to see, too, in my opinion. I think there's so many really good ideas for uh, no, that, that happen in the high evolutionary stuff. And like... I'm very satisfied with what we got, but I can see specific ways. I, I can maybe see even like, I don't know about specific ways it could have been better, but like I can see specific things that were like not quite as good as they could have been. Like, I think it's really cool. I think first off, he was an incredibly acted villain. Like, mm-hmm. damn, it's just so, yeah. so well acted. But as you said, he didn't really interact with the guardians much. Like he technically interacted with all of them at least once. Uh, Cause there's the fight scene. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, mostly he just interacted with Rocket, and he was a very good villain for Rocket's flashback arcs. And then I think it's really interesting the end right before he's defeated. I guess since this is a Marvel episode, and like people don't like to hear Marvel spoilers, so I'll, I'll save that be- until we like say a spoiler warning. But I think like right before his final scene where he gets defeated is like a very very cool penultimate scene for him Mm. and i mean like i said i think i said this off off air i think that marvel often has a problem with forgettable villain forgettable villains in like forgettable single movie villains like they're usually a little better with the villains that have to carry through multiple movies but Mm -hmm. like you know single movie villains don't don't work out so well oh i didn't say that off air i said that on air oops now i'm just repeating myself (laughs) But anyway, I think this guy really... I, I think, like, this one is about as close to nailing it as you can. For sure. The, this is also, I'd say, by far the most evil villain, like, straight up that we've seen. Like, oh, yeah. I guess Ronan no was pretty bad. Qualities. I guess Ronan was bad because you could say he, he almost, like, destroyed the entire Nova core planet. But in this one, he, he actually did destroy an entire planet. And he, you know... It's it's very very dark, and then also not only does he kill lots of people on a grand scale, he kills a lot of people on a very personal scale too. Mm-hmm. 
and those scenes are like you know devastating so yeah i was surprised how just straight up evil i think maybe that's why james gunn didn't try to avoid making him interact with anyone because I, I i think like the way he was written or the way i think gunn wasn't was saw him or was writing him was that there wasn't really any discussion to be had it was just this guy is just it's like there's no conflict of ideals this guy's just straight up a terrible person mm -hmm. but i i still think they could have worked a little more there and given him like you know some more moments but uh especially i didn't like how like this obviously wasn't planned but i did not like how the sovereign were made by him I thought it was like an interesting way of because I think he set up Adam Warlock and he didn't really know how he was going to fit Adam Warlock into the story he really wanted to tell, which was, you know, the origin of Rocket, essentially. Yeah, because like there, there was no real indication that the Sovereign were the initial thing is that the Sovereign have beef with the Guardians because they stole their batteries, right? Yeah, so I don't understand why it's all of a sudden it's switched to oh, it's because they need they need to kidnap Rocket for the high evolutionary. Um, yeah. Felt a little weak. It was a little weird, too, because, like, it's said to us that the high evolutionary created the Sovereign. But, like, that's not shown at all. So it's just, like, they could just as easily be working for him or see him as a, as a like, particularly powerful being. that Because they said they, the Sovereign see him as a god, or at least they heavily implied that. It's like... Well, yeah. that would, I guess, make sense if he created the Sovereign. But, like, what, is it, what does that mean? Like, everything else that he creates in this movie is, like, he'll take a bunny and turn it into a bunny man. And, mm -hmm. like, the Sovereign are not that. So it's like, mm -hmm. I don't see any similarity between the Sovereign as a, you know, artificial race, but, like, not not like clearly created from anything versus yeah. his uh his bunny men that he created on the planet yeah it was it, it just felt a little you could tell he didn't he never planned on that and it was just he wanted a way to combine those two character arcs and i think mm -hmm. that that made adam warlock a little bit of a he felt like kind of a filler character that they, he didn't really know what to do with he was just kind of there and um i thought i thought adam i thought will poulter as adam warlock was actually really really well done i thought oh, he was i great loved in that him role. he was like my favorite part of the movie <laughs> yeah there's a scene where he like there's a scene where so most of the scenes of adam warlock are him like flying through things and causing multiple explosions and there's and like early on into the movie he gets this tiny alien dog as a pet and <laughs> yeah. uh there's a scene where he like crashes into a guardian's ship into the guardian ship and Gamora has his alien dog and it's like, I'm going to kill him, but he's just come in. He's crashed through everything. Everything's exploding. And he stops and goes, don't be rash as things are actively exploding around him. I, I like almost died laughing in the theater. Yeah, I know. I love, he plays, he plays it really well. The whole point of like, there's so many characters in these movies are, are just these like really powerful characters that, or just kind of like they, they they don't know they have no like social awareness I guess because like yeah. you know, Gamora and Drax, um, I think I think he might have been like like the best one. I really I really wish he had a bigger role to really shine because yeah he was a really fun addition to 
this movie it's like especially considering like he he really had no reason to be in this movie mm-hmm. um i i thought he was played very very well and i actually hope we we see him in the future i don't know like i don't know if we're truly into spoilers yet, but i don't know how i the way they set it up is like they could he could come back but it's kind of in the air I, but i also don't even know if i want him to come back necessarily I think just because we've now kind of both brought it up and we've gotten through most of the movie, I think mostly without spoilers. I'm going to put a spoiler warning right here. Spoilers as of this point. This is a spoiler warning right here. Pierre, say the biggest spoiler you can. Uh, no one dies. <laughs> That's that is actually I, I was a crazy very spoiler. Yeah, I was really, really surprised. They, I, like, they were able to make the send-off this solid without you know, anyone actually dying, which I thought was cool. Mm-hmm. There's a couple moments I thought for sure a character was going to die, but no, not really. And I, I don't mind that. Like this is, I feel like yeah. this is the first time where I've seen a, a movie with a lot of stakes in it and no one dies. And I'm actually like pretty happy with it because I, th- I already think the movie was really dour mm-hmm. and grim. And if you made someone die, it would have kind of like, this would have le- left more of a bad taste in my mouth. That makes sense. And also, like, all of the characters in this movie that were saved from death, the way that they were saved from death also ended up being, like, the payoff to some earlier plot point. So, like, it ended up working out. Because, like, there's a scene in this where Star-Lord is dead, like, actually dies, and then gets saved by Adam Warlock because Adam Warlock remembers the time that someone, one of the Guardians saved him and said everyone deserves a second chance. I'm like, oh... Mm. okay that's paying off an earlier plot point yeah, i don't yeah. mind this as much then yeah that was cool same same i guess rocket almost dies but i think him living made more sense in that scene i thought that was really well done mm-hmm. yeah i don't know i i will say i think like i think the problem with like the marvel universe is that it's really tough to like make characters move on without dying too yeah Especially like, like, I feel like, you know, like, for example, if you look at the Star Wars trilogy, right, they didn't like George Lucas didn't need a reason for them to be like, okay, now you guys are breaking up. The, the team set up in Star Wars has to break up by the end of the movie because then people are going to wonder where they are. Um, mm-hmm. Like, it's just the movie ends, you know, and that that series is finished. Whereas this like the Guardians have to break up. And I don't I thought it felt forced. It felt tacked on at the end, especially because they spent the whole movie trying to save a member of the team, you know. Like, it really felt like they wanted to be together more than ever. But it, it just felt like the movie ended and James Gunn was like, okay, I, I really have to get these guys separated because that's, like, the way Marvel Studios works. Um, so he kind of he gave them some of them a lame reason to leave, in my opinion. And it, it felt a little like, okay, like, I guess it's over. I think mm-hmm. that could have been better done, too. You know? Yeah. I don't disagree, really. It's weird, because, like, I thought it was a satisfying enough ending, but, like, mm-hmm. maybe it would have been a more satisfying... Maybe it would have been a more satisfying ending if the group didn't have to split up because it wasn't a Marvel movie. But, yeah, actually, exactly. that's one thing I want. I noticed about this movie. Do you think this movie didn't... It, it definitely felt like a Marvel movie, but not nearly to the degree of something like Ant-Man. This didn't feel quite as much as of, like a product of the Marvel machine that I feel like at a certain point we've kind of gotten to. For sure, it felt yeah. well, much more like a James Gunn movie than a Marvel movie, though like definitely it did feel like both still at least yeah. a little. Yeah. Well, I, I think 
you know, after watching Suicide Squad, it, you could tell like James Gunn really likes dark stuff, right? Yeah. I'd say in the Suicide Squad was a lot of extremely dark humor. This was just very dark. <laughs> yeah. It's a very dark movie. And yeah, I was really surprised that this was like, you know, approved by Disney and stuff, honestly. But yeah, I'd say, you know, I, I think it helps that the Guardians themselves, like other than the first Guardians, like Guardians 2 isn't really connected to the greater universe in any way. There's kind of a plot with Ego, like, you know, Ego planted his seed on a lot of different planets, but we don't see the repercussions of that in any other mm -hmm. movie, so, yeah. Yeah, and like, really, the only real interaction that the Guardians of the Galaxy have with the rest of the Marvel Universe, like, the only real meaningful interaction is that they are all main characters in Infinity War and Endgame. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, like, other than, like, now that Thanos is gone, they, you know, there's no reason for them to fit in, like, with the rest of it. So, uh, and I, I think I like that. You know, I, I, I think it's unfortunate that, you know, Marvel's first movie and, quite a while is or first first any tell like any any media product in a while is basically completely disconnected from any everything and it's the mm -hmm. ending of a, a long saga but i I, th I think you know that's that's to its its benefit you know like there's it's gone to a point where marvel's just really bogged down by its its own kind of story and history and i think that's also why this movie works so well is it doesn't really need to address too much of what happened and however many products have come out since endgame which is nice they don't even address thor at all i'm, mm -hmm. I'm still really disappointed like that they how they ended off like i was really excited to see thor at least play with the guardians a little bit more um but yeah like they they really ditched him quickly which is probably I mean, for like he wouldn't have fit in this movie because it would have been yeah. a lot but um, I so I so would have liked to see a little bit more of that before we got to this movie because yeah, again it's like it's been so long since we've really seen the Guardians together that I think it kind of like like if James Gunn never got fired at all and this movie because this movie was planned to come out May 2020 which would have been a year after Endgame right that I think that would have been really perfect you know because then you have all three movies coming out within six years of each other this really felt like an epilogue to Endgame in a way too. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really unfortunate that, you know, this was pushed back by three years because of all that whole fiasco. And I don't think, I, I can't think of any way that it being pushed back is for the better, if that makes sense. So, yeah. Sorry, like, are you saying like, you think this movie would have been a better movie if it was 2020 instead of 2023? Yeah, well, I, I, I like I feel like with some movies, when they're delayed, there can be some benefits to it, you know, like, or its position. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of a good example right now. I can't think of any of them. <laughs> but, but like, if this exact movie was done in 2020, I, th I just think the emotional impact would have been way better. You know, whereas like this being like the second movie of phase five doesn't really have any meaning. It's it's weird to have an ending so far after the other ending. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that that's like the only like maybe like if it was pushed back and then they were able to like feed off of other movies, if that makes sense, to make a better 
plot out of it, then that could have been cool. But this movie doesn't need any of the other Marvel movies, so it didn't really matter. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I think, like, I mean, realistically, in terms of the actual movie that we got, I think that if, not this movie, but if Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 had come out in 2020, it would not have been this movie. Like, it would have been something very different. Maybe, yeah. I I think they would have, like, if Gunn wasn't going to be working for DC, they might have set it up in a way that he could still have a, he would he would have a lot more movies to direct or mm-hmm. be or have a hand in uh on that side of the marvel universe um but this felt more like he's saying goodbye to it which is totally fair yeah <laughs> so yeah anyways I think that's so, all i really had to say yeah i think i mean overall like i did really like this movie i thought it was maybe it's my favorite marvel movie i've seen in a while and like mm-hmm. It's uh, it's it's one of, you know, I don't want to say it's one of the best, but it's one of the better movies I've seen this year. I think I'm going to, I have a, I keep a list of like my top 25 movies of the year, but I don't mm. actually put anything on it until like I am confident that I actually like that thing. So like I have like 14 movies on it right now. And I think this is number 15, not number oh, nice. 15 in the list, but the 15th to be added. Like it'll probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know where it is in position. I like it better than Cocaine Bear. That's fair. <laughs> I, that's not tough. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I really, I, I think I criticized it a lot. But that's because this movie really hurt me <laughs> in a lot of ways. So, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a very, very well done movie. It, you can tell it has a lot of heart, and you know that's that's something you don't feel in a lot of big blockbuster movies. So I really appreciate that, and mm-hmm. you know the story James Gunn made. So I, this is probably the most, the best marvel trilogy too in my opinion i think i think captain america i might prefer more if that makes sense but i'd say the first one is definitely like a step lower than the other two whereas this one i'd say they're all at about the same level of quality and they're they're all very well done and i think too i don't know how much this necessarily affects i think it would affect i think it affects my perception of the captain america trilogy Captain America is a really solid trilogy. However, it's also so actually integrated with the Marvel Cinematic Universe at that point that it kind of doesn't even feel like a trilogy because it feels like Captain America gets his start in the first Avenger and like get the end of his story is in Endgame. Mm -hmm. So like it all like it's a really solid three movies, but it doesn't feel complete as a trilogy the way that yeah. this guardians of the galaxy does for sure yeah 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 like you said earlier like i don't i feel like you don't even need to watch infinity war too much to understand this i obviously it would help a lot <laughs> a lot you know but like i i still think a lot of the emotional beats like because it, it like not very little of this has to do it has to do with like what happened in infinity war it's just it's mostly rocket story um the only thing that would be confusing is gamora and peter but i i don't again i don't think those scenes really meant that much to me in the overall product so it wouldn't matter that well much. there's a scene as there might actually be two scenes but i know there's at least one scene in this movie where peter quill literally sums up the events of Endgame and infinity war oh, and like too, yeah. <laughs> you know it's it's very quick it's not like 
you know, you should still go back and watch Infinity War and Endgame, but I think that you could watch Guardians of the Galaxy 1, 2, and 3 and and get pretty much the full Guardians of the Galaxy experience. Like, you're missing out on, obviously, some of the movies that Guardians of the Galaxy are in, but it's like, you're not actually missing out on the story of these characters in the way that you would be for something like Captain America or Iron Man. Yeah, for sure. So it's it's nice that it's kind of its own little own little thing. Other than Iron Man, probably the the most standalone trilogy, I'd say. Mm-hmm. So far. So yeah. So uh, what would you uh, what would you give Guardians of the Galaxy three if you had to rate it out of say I don't know like ten? Uh God, I don't want to give it a rating honestly. All right. I, I yeah I I've all I've. I wouldn't say it's a perfect movie, but it, this was a very, very special movie, I'd say. And I, I I feel like I can't give it a number. I guess an eight. I guess an eight. If I'm looking oh. at it objectively from quality, yeah, I'll give it an eight. I was gonna I was gonna ask, do you want me to mark it down as uh I mean I don't I don't actually keep track of this, but if anyone ever is, would you like it to be marked down as Pierre unrated but hard recommended? Oh. <laughs> sure, actually I, I prefer that, yeah. All right. This is yeah. This is a special movie. I'm gonna give it a strong seven. I can rate this one, but <laughs> it is it is like it is very good. I do think it's like a very a very strong seven. Nice. Cool. Yeah, that's that's all we got on Guardians. What's our last word? Uh, rocket. <laughs> <laughs>